Hello and welcome to Start the Beat with Sykes. My name is Sykes and this is my podcast. Before we get started, I just wanted to take a quick moment to thank everyone who checked out last week's episode. If you're one of the people who listened to that conversation, I hope you enjoyed it and thanks so much for coming back. But for those of you out there who are new to the show, welcome. Please feel free to make yourselves at home and as always, there's beer and soda in the fridge. Before we get into the episode, want to get into some shows that I have coming up with my bands. This Thursday, March 21st, you can see Sykes and the New Violence at Scratch Food and Beverage as part of the Northside Jams series that they're doing. I am a Northside resident and I actually live on the same street as Scratch Food and Beverage. So come on up to my neighborhood and watch me and my friends play a show. There's going to be drink specials. There's going to be a bar menu, cocktails from Wiggle Whiskey and Threadbare Mead. Cool. All that sounds great. You should come on up. It's free to get in. You just got to pay for your food and drinks. Going to be from 8 to 10 p.m. We're playing like two shorter sets. They're going to be different sets, but it's a little bit of a different environment for us. We're going to be playing a lot of material we haven't played in a while. So if you haven't had a chance to see us at all or just haven't, you know, seen us in a while or just want to come hang out in like a cool, relaxed environment with like some really fucking good food and drinks, come on out to that. Can I sell this show any better than I already have? Probably not. March 21st, Sykes and a New Violence at Scratch Food and Beverage. With that being said, we've got some other events I want to tell you about real quick, too. The day after that, this Friday, March 22nd, Emo Night Karaoke. Chances are, if you are a Pittsburgh native that already knows and goes to the Emo Night Karaoke's, you know what's up. But you may have missed the memo that I am going to be DJing these events as well now. So... The events have been moved from their previous home to their new home of the Smiling Moose. The live band karaoke is going to be on the second floor. And on the first floor, your boy is going to be spinning the hits all night. So that is this Friday, March 22nd. Come on out to that. It'd be really cool to see some of you out there dancing, singing along, and just having a good time. Come keep me company. And then March 30th is the next Greywalker show here in Pittsburgh. That is going to be at Cativo, and that is actually the memorial show for our friend James Johns. For those of you that you know don't know James, he was a good friend of ours who has you know since passed away, and we're throwing this show just as a way to just remember all the time that we had spent with him. And uh, he's uh, his band was Doomsday Initiative, if some of you remember doomsday initiative so they're going to be doing a one-off reunion set that night gray walker will be playing a muck will be playing who is a good friend of ours he's been on the show before so you may know a muck from the show and arch rivals will be playing which is nick prezioso who if you are familiar with gray walker or sykes he's done a lot of video and photo work for us and uh MySpace Night, he does all the photo stuff there. Uh, so yeah, that's his band that's playing as well. He was in Doomsday Initiative as well. And uh, yeah, there's going to be additional support provided by Hope for the Day, which it's a uh, it's a suicide prevention outreach and mental health thing. They do a lot of education and programs of that. So if you are familiar with Hope for the Day, um, they'll be involved in the event. And if you're not, look them up. Again, that show is March 30th at Cativo. 
And uh, yeah, the only other event that I kind of want to plug right now is the next live Start the Beat event, which is going to be April 20th, <laughs> April 20th, April 12th, as we're doing podcast night at the Tolma 2, which, you know, for those of you that know, uh, fuck, man. Uh, being really candid, just like bringing up the stuff, it's like really hard talking about like the, the, the thing with JJ. It's just weird. It like, it puts me in like just not the most like comfortable mind state or space just thinking about it and like talking about this event as if I'm just like promoting some other event, but like that event in particular is like, he's like somebody that I had known for a long time. And even though like we were never like super duper close, we were definitely really good acquaintances and friends. And we had, you know, a lot of good memories with that dude. And it's just kind of weird. Like talking about this show being in memory of him without really even taking the time to process the fact that like, he is a person that I knew that is no longer with us. So that kind of threw me off. Um, and I don't want to like re-record this or anything. So I'm just going to kind of go with it. So yeah, I don't know. Uh, moving forward, let me, uh, okay. Yeah. So April 12th podcast night at the Tolma two, and that is going to be with thrifty podcast who I was recently a guest on their show Neon Brainiacs, I was recently a guest on their show as well, and ourselves. I know that Toddy from the Thrifty Podcast has been working on trying to get a fourth show booked for that. Nobody has confirmed yet. That may change before the event happens on April 12th. I'll let you know if it does. But yeah, that's just a cool, low-key night of podcasts and fun interactions with the audience and stuff. It's uh, a BYOB thing, so you're definitely... Feel free to make yourselves at home if you come, but, you know, respect the space and all that stuff. They're also going to be doing a, like a secondhand sale slash clothing swap at the event, which is very on brand for the thrifty podcast. And I might even bring some fucking old records that I don't need for and have them for sale just to kind of, you know, uh, play along with the event. I think the neon brainiacs guys are going to bring some old VHS tapes maybe. So it should be fun. Like a little podcast thrifting house party thing. Sure. Why not? April 12th. If you're not familiar with the address, that's because I haven't told you. If you want to know more about the event, shoot me a message and I will let you know because it is at Todd's personal home, which is very nice and welcoming, but we're not going to throw it out there all publicly. So if you're interested in podcast night at the Tolma 2 and you're watching this video, you probably know how to get a hold of me in a private conversation. Do so. Send me a message. We'd love to see you there. And, uh, yeah, moving along here on my checklist of things that I don't want to forget to say, I want to remind you all to rate and review, like, and subscribe the show, whatever platform you're watching this on, take an extra moment to engage with this in a way that other people can see that will make us look better. I say us as if there's more than one person here. It's just me. It's only me. I'm running the camera. I'm running the audio. I'm talking at you. I'm uploading this. It's a one-person show, but I'll still say us because nobody wants to feel alone. And I'm feeling a little lonely with my lack 
of social media interaction because I am a millennial and it is 2019 and I need attention. So yes, please like and subscribe, rate and review, blah, blah, blah. It actually helps the show in terms of algorithms and possibly monetizing and, you know, all those hot words that people like to talk about nowadays. And let's get into listener questions. So for those of you that don't know, I do, I take weekly uh, questions and topic ideas and things like that. So if you ever have anything that you want to hear me talk about, feel free to drop it on Facebook, Instagram, wherever you get a hold of me, just post it up and I'll get to it eventually if I feel like I have something productive to say in terms of that. So I have one question this week that I'm going to answer or at least take the time to answer and uh, it's not productive at all. So this kind of like completely, uh, you know, goes against everything that I just said and suggested. But, you know, what is being human if you're not at least somewhat hypocritical? Anyways, my boy Colt asked, how long do you think it would take you to drink a swimming pool's worth of water? Great question. Something I've been wondering for years, much like everybody else. These are the important hot topics. And let's get into it, Colt. All right. So I did some fucking research to kind of like figure out mathematically how this would work. So if you take a standard pool size, which is a 15 by 30, according to Google, that has, that's like a four foot deep average house above ground pool, right? That has 13,500 gallons of water in it. Okay. So, and then you take that number and health authorities commonly recommend eight, uh, eight, eight ounce glasses of water a day, which equals to about two liters or a half gallon. Okay. So now we could do some math. So if you technically being healthy, drink a half gallon of water a day and a year on average has 365 days, you could drink about 182 gallons of water in a year. So then you take that 182 gallons of water that you could drink in a year and you divide it up by the 13,500 gallons that your standard four foot high swimming pool holds and it would take you roughly about 75 years to drink an entire swimming pool's worth of water. According to math, some people might be able to drink more and do it faster. Some people might not be able to drink as much. I mean, you think about 75 years, you're going to want to get a pretty early start. And I imagine in your younger years, you might not be able to get down as much water as you could once you're fully grown. And then on the reverse of that, as you get older and your body starts to, you know, break down and shift and change a little bit, you might also not be able to drink a full eight, eight ounce glasses of water a day. And then there's like leap years every four years or whatever. And there's all these variables, but on a very basic scale, I would say somewhere roughly around 75 years is the answer you could probably count on in terms of mathematical average. Okay. I hope you find some productive use for that information, Colt. Thanks for the question. And uh, with that being said, let's get into this week's episode. So this week on the show, I got my friends from the band Los Vampiros Amarillos. 
Let me try to say that faster. Los Vampiros Amarillos. I hope that I pronounced that kind of okay. I'm not a speaker of the language, but we're going to get into that and plenty more in this conversation here. So I'm going to shut up and we're going to get into my conversation that you've all come here to listen to, I imagine. Yes. Okay. Let's sit back. Relax and let's start the motherfucking beat. So, what do you want to do? Well, it was nice talking to you guys. Yeah, yeah. yeah. This, is, this is great. <laughs> hey, this is really good. Happy Sunday, guys. How are we doing? We're Wonderful. good, man. How yeah, are you doing? Really solid, good. solid. Yeah. It's been a while since I've seen both of you. I just met. Ben like five minutes ago, but mm-hmm. the first thing he did was he walked into my room and pulled out a Slipknot record <laughs> from the wall and was like, this is the shit. And I was like, yeah, me and you can be friends. Yeah. yeah. Now you guys are best friends forever. Pretty much. Good. Big influence. Not on our music, but <laughs> on, on my taste. Well, I think that it's really important to have a dynamic background in music. Most people that don't are like boring and terrible yeah. people. I've only ever liked these bands. Like they all have really cool choices and it's like, that's not there's true. gotta be a, you used to be in seven there's grade. gotta be a billy ocean album in there somewhere that's the best that's the best yeah. like you just said yeah you used to be in seventh grade like it's totally fine like yeah. how much of a turd are you gonna be that right. you're gonna put like a social weight on you know right. a 12 year old for right. what their music yeah. tastes are the one that i love is i always tell people i'm a van halen fan and and they'll be like, oh, Van Hagar or Van Halen? Like, I'm like, both, because, you know. And, like, guys, I'm 41, and guys my age will be like, yeah, man, when yeah, when Hagar joined the band, man, I just I just cut that shit out. I couldn't deal with it. I'm like, oh, yeah, you did that at seven? Yeah, okay. <laughs> I'm sure you really made that choice. Yeah. I was just like, no. 5150 came out, that. and it was awesome. So it's just like the shit, shit. People just say shit because they think they're supposed to. Yeah. And it's so <laughs> stupid. Yeah. I was actually, it's not worth it telling these guys earlier today i don't forget how it came up but like sammy hagar started following me on instagram what and it was like i was like yeah right and i it was like it was him because i posted some pictures of some drinks i'd been making at home with whiskey there and you stuff. go and i literally called a cousin of mine who was like in the hair metal i was like sammy hagar just followed me on instagram now was, kevin hangs out with sammy hagar all the time <laughs> we're actually weird. going on holiday this weekend yeah right get him on the podcast <laughs> he's so awesome you imagine? He'd be, he would do it he would this do is it. actually it's funny this is the second time i brought this up today but did you listen to David Lee Roth was just on Joe Rogan's podcast this week. <clears throat> the first, I listened to the first oh. half hour. It's fucking, it's pretty fun. It's fun. Yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> extremely entertaining. <laughs> oh, yeah. He's, He's been a, how long in Japan learning kendo? Yeah, it's, it's a cool conversation. It's, 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 a th- it's three hours long. <laughs> I'll save that tomorrow. That'll be my, uh, yeah. that'll be my work. Walking, oh, yeah. Walking. Uh, walking uh, oh, yeah. yeah. It's, well, it's good. There was that one in the Alex Jones oh, one, yeah. and it was like yeah. four and a half hours. <laughs> that one's exhausting, and it's that like, one, yeah, that's that. It, it was cr- it was cringy. One of the highlights uh-huh. was like him <laughs> yelling about aliens for a half an hour, and then he segued into Tower Seven. I'm like, I'm never gonna listen to this one. Oh this yeah, it's exhausting. It. Hitler it's, came up a good bit though. Yeah, <laughs> it's very it's very very mentally ex- exhausting, but. uh I remember looking like the next day, it already had like millions upon yeah. millions of it's views. It's so there's a lot of people that are definitely interested in whatever that guy has to say, yeah. for sure. What, No matter on what side of uh, the spectrum right. they are on, definitely. How did he get started? Like, what's his what's his deal? Alex Jones? Alex Jones. I have no idea. Yeah, I was, I was, yeah, I, I think that I think that he was just a 
like a, a newscast talk show guy, like talk show host. He was always in a conspiracy theories. And then, yeah, I think that yeah. he did that. He did a documentary on uh, Bohemian Grove in like oh, the late yeah. 90s. And I think um, that, ulti- so. yeah, he think he just ultimately found a way to like monetize conspiracy yeah. theories <laughs> exactly. and then just built an empire off right. of it. A lot of people in the country that, you know, Th- listen to that stuff and think, oh yeah, this this guy. Knows yeah, this makes sense. Home. He just got angrier and crazier, and then like started selling. The best was when he started selling like weight loss products and stuff. Well, I think that you know, there's a weird parallel. Yes, <laughs> to what you were saying, but there's a weird <laughs> parallel with people like Alex Jones and just like rock and roll bands in general, where I feel like if you're really loud and really confident, <laughs> people will believe you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that's what it takes. So yeah. there's yeah. that. You know what I mean? He that's, was a conspiracy theory yeah. rock and roller. Right, yeah. Yeah. I guess that's where I went wrong. Yeah. Way too quiet. <laughs> yeah. Way Next too time, quiet. Not too confident. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So let's get into you gentlemen. Yeah. I'm sure. sitting here today with three fine men, Ben, Kevin, and Jesse of a band name that I don't want to mispronounce. So how about you let me know what it is and then teach me how to say it. Okay, it's Los Vampiros Amarillos. Or you can just say Los Vampiros Amarillos. That's cool, Which too. is also wrong, by the way. But that's fine. That, no, yeah, well, you could say that. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I don't want to walk into a place, order that off the menu, and have everybody look at me like I'm a total C-U-N-T. You know well, I, mean? I'd say, I was saying it the way Jesse said it for a while, but my, <laughs> my Mexican wife sent me straight. Uh, now, the name, it translates to the Yellow Vampires. Cool. Yeah. What's that all about? Well, uh, long story short, we, you know, we were the Me Too's. Um, and uh, like w- when we made the name change, a lot of people asked us, you know, why did you do-? local people that know us were like, what's with the name change? And we said, like, in the age of the Me Too movement, hashtag Me Too, we are the Me Too's. And it was two reactions. People were like, of course, or a lot of our friends were like, like we never even considered that, which we found surprising. Well, this is, you've been a band for so long that it was yeah. probably disconnected. Exactly. Yeah. And they're also like, you're not like you're three nice dudes. You're not dicks. It's not like you just start at the band and it's like we Yeah, Ben and I started in two thousand eight. Yeah. And I didn't join until twenty fourteen. So yeah. it wasn't ever a problem. But we what happened, we we did the show with the posies last year, which was great. And Ken Stringfellow at the end of the show was was thanking us and he kind of I was standing like to the side of the stage and we made eye contact and he kind of smiled and he went, the uh, the most politically correct name band in the world. And we were like, we should probably change it after the summer. <laughs> so, Three dudes. So my the name the name Los Vampiros Amarillos comes from my father in law, who was uh, in Mexico. He was, you know, like any teenager in the mid sixties, he loved the Beatles, the Stones, the Who, and you know, someone showed up at a party with a record with the animals and he was all into that 60s British uh, music scene. But those bands didn't tour Latin America. Like, I think the Beatles might have come to Mexico City once. and But it was very popular in Mexico City for each neighborhood to kind of have their band that would play the top 40 hits of the day. Yeah. Which, if you can imagine, in the 60s was like the British rock, the, the R&B hits of like Motown and stuff like that. So each neighborhood kind of had a band that would play all the dances and the parties and stuff. And my father-in-law was a guitar player and a singer in a band called El Vampiro Naranga. I'm saying that wrong, I think. But it's actually the Orange Vampire. <laughs> okay. Years went by. My wife had heard the story from him and she misremembered the name and told me it was El Vampiro Amarillos. And I was like, that's such a badass name. We need to use that at some point. And I think at one point we were going to use it. Um, we were playing as a five piece for like a few shows with uh, Mike Cunningham, 
uh, who was yeah, doing the keyboard player and a saxophone player. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. know Mike. Yeah. yeah, so we were doing, uh, and we were, and um, and we, so like the five of us were doing like Sonic's covers, and we played like Mary Jo's 60th birthday party, and we thought maybe we'll record as a five piece and use a different name. So we kind of had that name and never used it for anything. So when we decided on the name change, I just said, "How about that?" and and I said, okay, sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, okay, wait, what's it mean? The Yellow Vampires. Awesome. Okay. Yeah, we can great. get away with anything with that name. So Yeah, it's a cool band name. Yeah. I was I was curious. I remember the last time that I had you on the podcast once we stopped recording. I was like, I didn't ask you about the Me Too thing. Yeah, and I wish you and had. I, oh, I didn't think about it. Like I had thought oh. about it before we had recorded. Like, we should talk about that. Yeah. And then we just got into our conversation right. and then I come, you know. Right. Yeah. It just skipped my memory. Right. And then after we were done, I was like, ah, oh, fuck. Oh, well. Yeah. Because I thought it was something like you were almost embarrassed to ask us. No, no. I didn't think so. Yeah. Yeah, like, no, yeah just, we would we would just say it's like. You know. I don't really like now. I, I, I kind of keep a couple notes, but not much. <laughs> you sure? If I would have had notes then, I probably I would have remembered, but I just didn't. You didn't have yeah. notes. There was no notes. No notes. So now you are getting ready to release an album. You yep. have an album release on April 26th. Mm-hmm. Yep. Correct. Yep. And that's at the Funhouse, Mr. Yeah, Smalls. Absolutely. Cool. So the album, I'm assuming it's already recorded done. and done and things yeah. like that. Was this something that you had already been working on as <clears throat> the Me Too's? Like, is yeah. anything else really changing? It's just a name change. Just it's pretty really much a name change. Yeah. yeah. A little bit more like new wave sound to it, though, believe it or not. Like, and I don't know if that's just how we're changing as people growing as we get a little older but it seems like as as the years go on our sound changes a little bit but this is definitely much more of a dynamic change i think to get a little bit more new wave funky with a mix of crunch to it yeah i mean i think bands evolve that happens over time you just do you write some songs and then you write some new songs and you can only write so many songs that sound the same exactly i mean it's hard to get away with it unless you're like acdc Right. Yeah, I can't imagine what twenty six <laughs> albums and it's all one key or something. Like that. <laughs> yeah. Now this this album, I think, yeah, we. I know I've been like since I hit my forties, been kind of looking back on the eighties when I was a, when I was a kid and becoming a teenager, and it's like it was like at, when I was like in the mid nineties in high school, I was like, oh, the eighties sucked. Now I look back, I'm like, there was a ton of good stuff on on the radio when I was a kid, and it was just a different dynamic. Like you didn't have iTunes and stuff and you would make tapes off the radio and I had these tapes that were just like a Van Halen tune uh, a Genesis tune uh, or whatever it was like the bangles and Uh it would be like right when the lyrics start because the DJ would talk right up until the lyrics and then a pause and so I don't know it may be just a bit of a at least my style of drumming is a bit more of that you know more kind of a crunch more of a clean high energy like new wave and post-punk sound for me anyway that's like the style you know but still a little bit lo-fi Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. You just reminded There's me. There's no like synth or anything on yeah. there. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I assume whenever you had mentioned new wave that it wasn't right. necessarily like no. yeah. you know new wave, but right. like that. Uh, some may call say like post punk, yeah, or whatever that mm. whole that yeah. whole era of music, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you reminded me of a funny story talking about like listening to music on the radio and recording it and stuff like that, and it's connected to the first Slipknot album, actually. Nice, which. It's going to be a second time we brought this up. <laughs> well, oh, no. keep talking. So <laughs> my, I too come from an era of like pre CD burning and yeah. things like that. And uh, whenever the first Slipknot album came out, I remember I was really, really excited about it. And I had a friend, Mike, that uh, we were 
we would share a lot of music mm-hmm. with each other and he was on vacation with his family and i remember like making him a copy of this album onto a cassette tape was that and, the like, mate take... feed kill repeat or was that the, the no, self-title not one? mate feed kill repeat i have that vinyl by the way <laughs> really yeah <laughs> where'd you find all right yeah the internet <laughs> um no it was the self-titled but i made him a copy of the tape and i took it over to uh took it over to him and i remember listening with to the it. high speed dub it was probably a normal dub, gotcha. but the funny thing to end the story uh, is that he really didn't like it. He <laughs> <laughs> really didn't, didn't like, like the album. <laughs> all that didn't work. work all that work. <laughs> yeah. So, Damn, I mean, man. now you have this album coming out and yeah. your sound is evolving and blah, 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 blah. You've been playing in bands for so long, blah, yeah. blah, 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 blah. The Pittsburgh scene is a, a big problem, right? It's terrible. <laughs> There's nothing to do. All these bands are garbage. All the promoters suck. We want to get paid. Give me my fucking money, right? How are no, you doing in the scene? We're fine. Yeah. Yeah, we're good. Yeah, me too. Yeah, we're good. We No we, pun intended. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah we're <laughs> good. Hashtag Los Vampiros. So, you know, with that being said, like, what do you think about this whole, like, there's all these little things that are starting to pop up now. It started with this Pittsburgh music ecosystem thing where the people mm-hmm. had that, like, town hall meeting right. that apparently went to shit. And then now I'm seeing, like, other little communities trying to do their own little pop-ups and i guess in a way i'm putting myself on my own soapbox here with this podcast and asking you about it but i'm coming from the angle that seems to be the the rare angle that there isn't a problem but every time i ask people about it they're like we're fine too yeah so like i think we're figuring all these grumpy people just go to a show yeah we're we're figuring it out we're figuring out what we what pittsburgh looks like like. what do you expect you know, now as a band, like you're going to release this album, right? Yeah. And you put a lot of work into it. You probably put some of your money into it. Maybe the band had some money set aside right. that went into it too. Right. Sure. But you did this thing. You're going to release it. You're going to play a show. Then what are you? What are you expecting to happen? I expect a Grammy by 20, <laughs> 2021. And then I expect, I expect an Emmy. And then uh, <laughs> hell yes. And then from there, I don't know. From there, the sky's the limit. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, no, you know, just um. Nothing. Just uh, make another one. Just make another one sometime shows. in the future. I mean, just I, yeah. I just want to play shows, and I just want there to be people there, and I want people to be there that that dig our music. I see the Mets, or what is that? The punk band from uh, yeah. Canada. Sorry, yeah. that just like jumped out at me. ADD. Anyway, focus. Um, <laughs> no, I just want to. Um, no, it was random. Sorry, real quick. Facebook was like, "Hey, you might like these T-shirts," and they were like recommended a shirt from that band, and I was like, oh, "I know that band." Back to the conversation. <laughs> we just want to play shows in front of people. We want there to be audiences. And, you know, it's like the the simple things. Like you, the band that opens before you, if you bring a lot of people, you know, please stay through our set. Don't leave with all your friends, which we haven't had that happen to us in a while. It actually, by accident, kind of happened once last summer. And I was like, I remember like in the middle of the gig, I was like, oh, that's what that feels like. Because that used to happen a lot. Not even with this band. I was in bands for years where like, hey, man, we, could, do you mind if we go first? Because so-and-so's got to get up tomorrow. It's like, yeah, yeah, fine. And they like finish their set and then they go to the bar in Howlers and like you're playing the six people. And I'm like behind the drum kit and I look behind me and they're like high-fiving their friends and leaving during your set. And So just like basic camaraderie and basic respect from bands. And we just want to play shows and 
you know, and we want to play a good show to a good crowd of people. And, you know, like with the album release, we have two bands that are very, very different from us. And for a while, I think we were trying to match ourselves up with like-minded bands. And this time it was like, let's, I let's ask the Beagle brothers to open who are just straight up country. And yeah, I'm a big fan of Reed. Who's a slide guitar player. And, um, and then, and then Lo-Fi Delphi to, who to, are great too. yeah, who we've played a bunch of shows with and are awesome. And, you know, they have a lot of different influences, both of those bands and they'll pull in different crowds. And it's a good way of everyone meeting people and just, you know, go to a show. I was chatting about this earlier today with the Summer Camp, who was the band that was in here before you guys. Oh, cool. And is it, uh, Sam Berman is... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, oh, oh, yeah, 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 okay. yeah, he drums with them. Uh, I was chatting with them about, I think, this stuff and how the local scene is for them. And blah, blah, blah. and uh, things are working out fine for them as well. They yeah. think everything's cool. Yeah. And we were chatting about shows. And I think one of the things that a lot of people are overlooking when it comes to shows is that I think... Bands are booking these shows and playing these shows for themselves, and they're not putting enough of thought into the people that are just coming to the show yeah. and making oh, it yeah. a good experience to yeah. actually be so at. Simple. Well, right, which so, is why people play. Right, they they watch their friends, and then they're like, "Well, this is kind of lame. We're going to get out of here." Right, but if you take the extra steps to make it right. like a a cool thing to well, be the, at, yeah, nobody's going to want to leave. Yeah, the people who are there are supposed to be having fun. That's kind of the yeah. whole point, and it gets fucking overlooked. Yeah, a lot. Sure. Sure, we, sure. We were probably guilty of that for a little bit, like, mm -hmm. like a couple of. Well, I mean, week. I've been, I've been yeah. guilty of it oh, as yeah. well. Well, especially when you're like figuring stuff out too. Yeah, like you're focused on just making sure you're playing all the right stuff. Uh huh. Yeah. But once you can make that just like a solid, just easy to do, where it's like second nature, that's why you practice, right? Then it's then it could be about making sure that everybody else. Is yeah, it's fun. it's hard to to juggle it all, especially when we're on this independent train we don't have uh you know booking agents right. or managers right. or you know talent curators sure. or whatever bullshit job title you want we're you know we only have so much time and well, energy each, to figure it out we each have those job titles we'll let you guys figure out who's that <laughs> who's whose job is what okay got it yeah i'll figure it out by the end of the episode <laughs> But with the lineup that you have for your album release, I think it's a really cool way to put together an event that people are going to want to stay at just because yeah. it's, it's not all the same. Right, right. And you picked a good venue too. Right. I think that the cool yeah, thing about house, the Fun House right. is it's very inclusive. You know, you got a good bar there. Right. They have that kitchen that's open if the theater's doing stuff. And, and it sounds good there too. Yeah. And Denny's awesome. Yeah. Any show that Denny does sound for, it's like he always makes everyone sound great. So Yeah. Yeah. You know, big fan of his for years. And that helps a lot too. I think, you know, people that don't normally go to live shows might not understand the the air quote uh charm of a goose keys or whatever right. like that. Yeah. Where it's like, you know, everything sounds blown out. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's, it's like a lot of people... there's there's a sound happening. I'm not right. sure what it sounds like, <laughs> yeah. but there's think... there's some sort of a sound happening yeah. in the room. There's a certain aesthetic and that can yeah. be fun sometimes, for sure. But yeah. yeah, you can see why it may not appeal to a large group of people who um might also want to have like a conversation. Well, I think the biggest thing is like you want to get people to come out that aren't necessarily musicians. Yeah, right. You kind of mm -hmm. just want like normal people to just come people out, like music. But getting normal people to go to a place like Gooskies is, is can be a challenge. Yeah, <clears throat> it's very right. Uh, right. But the Fun House is 
great, I think, right. for what you're doing. Yeah. But with that being said, Gooskies is plenty great for some yeah. other some people, whereas like the fun house for them might be right. weird. Sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's sure. a little too posh. It's a little too nice. Whereas, you know, yeah, like we I've played shows at Gooskies and they've been I played my thirtieth birthday the night I turned thirty at Gooskies and it was just like it was awesome. It was just everyone was chain smoking. We were all drinking too much. It was so much fun. Now when I'm 42, like I'll play there every now and then, but I wake up the next morning, I'm like, fuck, I, I reek of cigarettes. So, yeah. so, so, so it is fun to play those places, but I'm like, we've played Howlers a lot. We played like, we played the fun house a couple of times. Uh, we played a couple of shows at um, Thunderbird before it closed, mm-hmm. which was also really cool. Yeah, they were like super cool to us too. That's so. a cool spot. Aren't they? I've seen they're, some, they're oh, back. They're reopening right? <clears throat> and they're reopening. I thought like I had heard that they had some. It was all rumor mill, rumor control, but like they had like a black box stage, kind of like a funhouse stage, and then they had like a they were gonna have a main stage. But from what I understand, it's just a, it's just a big like three hundred plus venue, which they can like I think maybe close off a section and make it smaller. Maybe I don't know, but it's yeah. I'm not like, sure how they're doing it, but it's coming up. It's like, like I think it's next I think month. like Toots and the Maytels are playing there or something like that. Like some big bands that are going to pack the place, nice. which is really cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm so. I'm excited to see it. I always liked that place. Yeah, yeah it was, it was great. great. Place. Yeah, I only got to I played there once doing some rap shit years ago, but uh, yeah, I never got to do anything like major there. So. Yeah, who knows? We wanted yeah, to play there. It was like midnight the at the uh, the Rant Festival. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We, and we played like right at midnight and it was packed. Yeah, it was great. Yeah, it was awesome. Mm-hmm. So, RIP Rant. Yeah, lo- I love Rant. That was yeah. a fun time. We met a lot of good bands through Rant. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I, there's that's another thing that a lot of people keep seeming to do these little f- festivals. Yeah, sure. yeah that happened. Why does for a everything have to be a fucking festival? <laughs> In the past like four years, that became a thing here. Like, yeah, yeah. it's like, like festivals. In, instead of like, contributing to shit that already exists it's like well i'm just gonna do my own thing and then it all falls apart yeah yeah i gotta say that like (laughs) if if they're done well i mean because we what's this gonna be the third year for the millville yeah i think so yeah i mean we've i'm not trying to brag we've played a fucking blinding set at millville last year it was just a good night uh garter shake played right before us it was a double. What's the double L? Or double something? L. It's a bar, yeah. yeah. It's a because really it was cool because there was like not a stage. It was just like people were right on top of the yeah, crowd. That yeah, was kind of cool. And yeah, they all, do a good job at Melbourne. <laughs> all night there were people. There were good venues, and we just we fucking played a great set. And it was a lot of people who had never seen us before. Were like, what's your band? You know, and I was like, yeah. this is this is how it should be done. You know, yeah, it was great. like you're playing to three angry bartenders, and like no <laughs> one's in the venue, and you know, so. But yeah, I, no, mean, I like I, the street festivals. I I just tend to be. A little aggressive when I talk, so I just think it's fun to pick oh, on no. people. <laughs> but like, I, I'm totally like super supportive of all of it. I Who do. We pick I, on next, <laughs> I do miss. I think. I think Grant was cool. That's that stinks that that's that's not happening. But with the way Lawrenceville's yeah, going, you can't place. be surprised. No, it's yeah. a different. It, that's a different. It, it's a different everyone, area now. Like, yeah, it sounds like a couple of people might be like getting priced out sooner or later. With like, you know, oh yeah, yeah. So yeah, we. I we were driving every time I'm on Butler, which isn't often, maybe sure. like, but once a month, that's enough. Sure. I feel like there's always something new. Yeah, I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess it's good to see like yeah. these empty spaces getting filled up, but it's all that's like just the way it goes, man. Pretty that's uh, the... pretty wild yeah, stuff. That's the way it goes. Yeah. It's fine. It's just the nature of things. Neighborhoods change. I just like you know, I know they're gonna be doing a bunch of stuff in Bloomfield coming up in the next year or two. 
where the uh, sure save used to be. Uh, I mean, like, yeah, I keep hearing people like talk about this sure save thing. Everybody's like romanticizing this grocery store. No, but I, <laughs> well, I mean, it's like if you want, I mean, I, dude, I lit- I walked in there. I'm not kidding. I walked in there and I literally was like, I'm like, did I just, did my car have a flux capacitor on it? And I didn't know. It walk, I walked oh, in yeah. 1987. Sure. Even yeah. the music <laughs> yeah. that was playing was like, the people looked like they had been there that long and hadn't changed their clothes. And like, and even the, the, the whole place, this is like, this is reeks of my, like, that one shitty neighborhood, like, grocery store that we'd sometimes have to go to on the fly. Wait, is it like, closed? It, yeah, they're going to be building, they're going to be building, I've, my wife's an architect and a couple of her friends are architects, and so there's going to be, like, maybe a community center, or there's going to be, they're oh, talking about, sure. I, I mean, don't quote me, there's going to be something there, <clears throat> but the fear for places like Hallers and places it, like that is that once this place goes up, right. then the, all the landlords are going to go, oh, let's jack the rent on the whole block, couple of blocks sure. up. I mean, part of the reason that... Um, You've heard it here first, folks. No, you didn't hear anything. You heard my <laughs> dumbass making some claim about... I mean, no, you can look this stuff online. They have, they have like, maybe it'll be this, maybe it'll be this, but... Um, um, oh god, the venue across the street from Howler's that recently closed. Blue, BBT. Blue, yeah, BBT. Part of the reason that closed too was someone slipped on ice outside the venue and then tried to sue the venue and like their insurance that they have to pay to make sure everything's okay doubled. And so the owner's wow. like, it's 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 it was already like two thousand dollars a month they had to pay just for like safety insurance or something, some kind of thing for bar owners, and he's like, It's just easier for us to sell. And yeah. so that's like a perfect venue goes down the tube. Oh, yeah, because... that's really disappointing. Yeah. So that's the fear is like everyone's going to start getting that's going to like price s- out start something. Yeah. And then they're going to make like, you know, boutique little, you know, like when Shadow Lounge closed and all of a sudden it's like the Livermore. And I'm like, fuck that place. Like, I'm glad it went to close because it's like Ava and Shadow Lounge were there for years. And I used to like when I first started playing music in the city, I'd go on a Wednesday night to the open stage or like. I went to like a first Friday at Ava, and it was. My like, question great. is, how many restaurants do we need? No, no, not that many. <laughs> not that many. Not that. Not that. Well, not that many with like a very specific like. We only do artisanal, and these are. I, I bartended for thirteen years, so you go into these places like this is my artisanal version of a buttery nipple. I'm like, you fucking don't. You don't need to do that. It's a shitty drink to begin with. I don't need your thirteen dollar version of it. Sure. Just give me a shot of Jameson, please. And, and this is coming from somebody that I enjoy. A nice yeah. meal. Don't get me yeah. wrong, mm. but like it's, it's awesome, overwhelming. Yeah, you know. Well, any anytime you have too much choice, when you're overwhelmed by choice, it gets too much. I think it goes back to what you're saying about the music scene, like trying to figure itself out. Like Pittsburgh's like, oh, restaurants are good. Let's add twenty restaurants. Oh, but me- live music's good. Let's add twenty live music venues. We're figuring out what sticks. You know, throwing some shit against the wall and figuring out what sticks, and then you know it's gonna form eventually and then we're gonna be like oh this is what it's supposed to be this is good i just wonder if in 10 years if we're gonna be this booming metropolis or if it's just gonna be a bunch of closed restaurants say the law will still i think it's still gonna be exactly where it is now you think it's gonna be the same one yeah Yeah. we're gonna be we're gonna be like the whatever anniversary of your podcast and we're still gonna be talking about like all these bands that are still complaining about not getting paid and (laughs) whatever and it's just like i don't know i mean i just so Getting going back to that, uh, yeah. the money thing. Let's uh, let's let's sure. get, get your opinion. That's on, why we play shows yeah, on money, money and and stuff like that. So, with this show and other shows in general, how often do you find yourselves being your own promoters for events? All of them. Yeah. yeah. Even 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 venues that support us and like you know, Opus One is 
is Opus One the book? They're like technically the booking agent for the Funhouse. I think they'll like they'll post stuff on their oh yeah on their yes. pages and like and promote us proper and maybe like a radio plug or two. But we like will carpet bomb social media weeks so in advance. With that being said, when it comes to actually making money at a show, you understand the fundamentals of what goes into actually putting a show together and yeah. the costs and things sure. like sure. that. Sure. Do you? Wonder sometimes if the people that are complaining about not making money have ever booked a show for themselves. Mm, not, no. I, well, I don't know. I mean, I, I feel like some but of like, them have been very successful at it and might have gotten screwed, and then some of them might have they've just gotten tired of maybe just breaking even. Maybe that's part of it. We talked about this the last time on your podcast. Like the three of us are in a very lucky situation because we all have jobs that pay proper. So, like again, if we don't make any money, as long as we played a good show and there were a bunch of people there, I'm good. Yeah. Like, I don't. So my need... only goal with that is is to be able to fund the next thing that I want to do. Oh yeah, well that's yeah. Cool. Like that's 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 always my goal as far as finances are concerned. Yeah, whatever money we make, I usually just say just throw it in the you know yeah, in the band and fund. then we just use that for like. Uh, Hey, do you guys want t-shirts? Yeah, okay, sure. We got this for the t-shirts. Great. Um, and then we self-record it. Like we produce everything ourselves. So cost there is pretty yeah, limited. That's the same. That's I me. Mean, that's just the way that I've been with my projects. You know, yeah. we just did with Grey Walker. We just promoted our own shows two weeks back to back. Yeah, just this is the way oh, wow. things fell. Yeah, yeah. 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 And um, but they were. They both somehow catered to different people, and we were able to get a lot of people out. And it's just like one of those things where we know how much each of the venues is going to cost, so mm -hmm. we price accordingly to that and try to, uh, you know, just think about how many people are going to be there, what we want to pay everybody, and just try yeah. to push to get people in the door. Right. And yeah. it seems to usually work out fine. Yeah. Just with planning, just yeah. actually breaking down all of the numbers right. and doing some math and <clears throat> right. creating a bit of a a, right. a business plan of sorts for your event. Maybe right. it's a bit of a generator. Like in to just in no some... other in no other circumstance could you just be expected to just uh, get handed stuff. Yeah, I mean, like this doesn't work. This doesn't work. Like <laughs> I was about to say, like maybe it's a generational thing because like. I wasn't in bands in the '90s, but like I had friends who were in bands, and I'd see a lot of shows and. They were uh, some of them like on a Saturday were getting up at seven in the morning to go fucking cover South Street in Philly and like posters that they knew were going to be covered up by the end of like that weekend. <clears throat> and so like just having a good show was kind of the reward where I think most bands now like in the early 20s, they're like, well, we covered Facebook, so we're good. So people should show up. And it's like that's you have to go to shows and, and you have to plug your own stuff and you have to put up posters and you have to make a lot of phone calls and sometimes it's not fun it takes the fun out of it but when you show up to Haller's and there's like 60 people there it's like this is gonna be a good fucking night like we're gonna have a great time and it yeah. makes it worth it i remember like uh like outside Laga and stuff like that there were always bands handing out their little flyers like after the show you know there were like lines of bands just waiting for people to come out yeah and uh you, you don't see that as much in like the the other places of of the little little venues so you know that might you know that personal factor there's you know, a that. weird disconnect with younger bands right now we i like last night we had this band that played our show and it's the first time we had ever played with them they're a younger band uh really nice 
Like early 20s or something? Um, yeah, I'm assuming they're probably in their early sure. 20s. And uh, my guitar player was chatting with the guitar player of that band. Mm-hmm. And the guitar player said to my guitar player, the guitar player of that band said yeah, to yeah. the guitar player of my right. band, this is already a dangerous thing to having two <laughs> well, guitars players well, talking to one What another. he said to him was, this is the first time anyone from another band has ever talked to me. That's weird. He said that Why? to your guy. Yeah. What? That's weird. And he was like, all these shows that we play, none of the other bands ever talk to us or want to hang out or do anything like that. Like we just play, people stand there with their arms crossed and like just are sh- like they're just you know okay, uh, they put everybody has their own little clicks and their own little bubbles and uh, nobody's socializing. And we're the complete opposite. We're like, yo, like, yeah, yeah. what's up? Like well, you they know, sound like they get- we practice every Tuesday. Come on over, we'll play some fucking <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Get some pizza and shit. Come on over, like you know, because our fucking band practices are twenty percent practice and eighty sure. percent bullshit. Anyway, right. so I thought you were gonna say twenty percent practice, eighty percent pizza. But same thing. Gotcha. That's well, it's a, the funny thing that's too. That's a like, subtitle to the next album: twenty percent practice, eighty percent pizza. <laughs> I love that. But that's the thing. Like whenever you're a little older, like in Greywalker, we're all in our thirties. So, and we're all like BFFs. Sure. So yeah. our practice nights are also like just the guys hanging out like at yeah. the same time. So we're kind of juggling like yeah. I've been productivity th- and just like friendship. Sure. I've been threatening for the last year that we we're just going to start recording because we, we play, we all have a mic and we all have headphones and we just need to like record our rehearsals front to back because like someday when I'm in my 70s, I'm going to be listening to the banter oh, and yeah. like the musical jokes that arrive and it, they're hilarious and like, you know, it's so much fun and that's one of the great things about being in a band you just hang out and have fun yeah that's almost like i love the process of creating yeah yeah and it's kind of um it's stabbed me in the back to some extent because as a uh an artist i suppose you put together this album like you just did and then you release it and then you're supposed to like you know go promote it and right. do all these things. But as soon as I release something, I'm like, what's next? Like, I just want to yeah, get yeah. back in the fucking space, you know, so we could go back to the studio. So yeah. we go back to making some music videos and do everything yeah. up to the album release. I love all the, the behind the, the creating, scenes stuff more the than part. I love playing shows too. Yeah. But I yeah. hate the, the promotional side of things. Right. I feel like being an, introvert is what made me an artist so (laughs) now it's like so weird to have to be extroverted and be like look at my art yeah yeah, look at it i mean i've said this several times but the whole reason that i even started this podcast to begin with was that like i really sucked at talking to people and communicating with people so i wanted to get better at that and then i created a little thing that's cool and now here we are i've told people that like i'm a site-specific extrovert like I'm a situational extrovert. I'm not always extroverted. Oh, yeah. But like if I'm in Howlers and and it's like Andrew, the bass player from Lo-Fi walks in and then so-and-so walks in and we just start BSing and hey, let's, you might have like a beer because like you, I don't drink that much anymore either. But like we have a beer, we're loosening up, we're talking, what's going And so-and-so's playing tomorrow and hey, did you hear what so-and-so was doing? And next thing you know, it's like, and yo, listen, we've got this album coming out. And then I feel comfortable like plugging something. I'm not just going to walk into a venue and be like, come see our band. Because it feels weird. It's like you yeah. want it to be organic, but you also don't like, want no one to be there. Like I am never stoked to come across that dude. That right. Just like, or, or, or whoever. Unless that good person that walks right. up to me and was like, check out my band. I'm just like, whoa. Yeah. All right. Like pump the brakes a little bit here. It's, just, it's a little bit like abrasive and I never yeah. want to be that person. Yeah. But at the same time, I feel like not 
telling people about my art could really right. be a problem. I remember there was one time when I had uh, sold – somebody had bought one of my records offline from me. Yeah. And yeah. I was going to this coffee shop every morning downtown before work. And the one day I walked in and I had like the record boxed up in my hand. And the guy that was ringing me out was like, is that a record? Like what record you got there? And I was just like, oh, like it's my record. I'm shipping it on. So he was yeah. like, oh, like you do music? He was like, yeah. He's like, you got records? He's like, yeah. He's like, how much? And I was like, oh, you know, like 15 bucks. He was like, bring one tomorrow. There That's you go. awesome. So I brought him one tomorrow yeah. and he bought a record off of me. That's yeah. cool. So it's like one of those things where it was like, I didn't intend to have it. But who knows how many more records I could have possibly sold if I was a little bit more vocal sure. right, around people that don't know me that well about the fact that, hey, I am a working musician yeah, yeah. stuff like fa- like that's like i think in, in facebook makes it easy because we like I, I made the joke earlier about carpet bombing facebook is what i kind of say like we'll we'll put ads on every group page and every but and like you it'll tell you how many people saw it yeah and whether people engage in do you it, believe those like, numbers no so i think that <laughs> <laughs> it depends what do you mean like how many no people... yeah so i what i think is i think that social media has almost made that too easy so that it's also incredibly easy to ignore you mean people just like flipping through yeah do they do they count that as an engagement if someone flips past it or I they have, have to no click idea on what it? the algorithm looks like but i think that it, don't you I, have you have, have you ever seen this where you'll have something that says like i'll get posts that have like a dozen likes mm-hmm. yeah. but it'll say zero engagements yeah what is that about i don't know that's weird yeah i don't know what any of that does that means. mean that like people tw- like those people came across it organically maybe. or i don't i'm maybe i posted, I posted something on our page two weeks ago and it was like the post before that was like 300 engagements post for that was like 350 or 400 this post had 1978 engagements on it because it was a story about a band that we thought was cool and i guess a bunch of people shared it and so I'm like, are they counting all those engagements from what other people? Because like six people shared it. Sure. And I'm like, is that where that almost 2,000 people came from? Or did 2,000 people see? Because like we don't have nine, 109,000 likes. So yeah. it's not like it didn't show up on 1,900 profiles. It's weird. I feel that there's a part of my brain that makes me think I should give more of a shit about all that stuff. But then there's the other part of my brain that tends to like anytime I, if I post something that's genuinely interesting and new, people pay attention to it. Yeah. Like if I say I, I'm talking about like, oh, I'm going to be putting out a music video next week. Yeah. Nobody's going to pay attention to it. But here's the music video. People are like, oh, cool. Like you yeah, actually yeah. put out the thing. Now I'm going to engage. with Right. It. I feel like the people that like those <clears throat> things and share those things to are friends of ours. So they'll tell five or six people who they see over the next day or two. Oh yeah. Do you see that? Uh, they changed their name. They got a new album coming out. And that's what I'm thinking about. Like these 12 people liked it. In my mind, that's like 36 people who know about it by the next day. And sure. Then, and then hopefully word of mouth spreads and Oh, they got these other bands playing the show. Oh, all right. This will be a good night. Let's go check it out. I, I as did. long as like another band who's way cooler than us isn't putting out an album that same night, which the sure. hard part is, is our goal is just to have a good show. You know, that's like the end of that. The end of yeah. the story is to to have a good show. You know, there's it's not like we're trying to, you know, turn this into our life and turn it into anything. So the fact that, but in a way, it, is like a, it is your life still, but yeah, like not yeah. like like a, subjectively. You know, I'm right. not gonna, you know, yeah, it's a very not very, pay the bills because of yeah. it. But 
but you know that's like the goal is to have a nice crowd of people or like nice a nice night you know totally just, just to make a nice night out of it and you know the goal is to figure out what how to get a nice night you know and how do you do that and it's just you know that's that's been the the the, char- the challenge really i think you people you alex jones it you just be really loud and really confident. confident. Yeah. Yeah. People yeah. don't know what you're missing. Not seeing this yeah. show. Uh-huh. That was a shitty Alex Jones impression. But yeah. No, it's pretty good. You people need to come to see this show. Yeah. They're from Mexico, but they're white. No, they're from here. They stole a Mexican name. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I was going to go on about like cultural appropriation, but I don't know enough Alex Jones, but... I'll have to. No, that was pretty accurate. That's what I good. know. Yeah, 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 that's pretty yeah. good. It's yeah, maybe that'll lives. work. You know, being no, confident think... and being loud. You yeah, know, and yeah. that's because that's that's all I really want. You know, this is a good night. Cause... I always just tell people just come see us. Like I could sit here and like fucking kiss our own ass all night long, but I guarantee you we're going to be well rehearsed enough that we will blow you off the stage. Like, and not like not like in a. I mean, like I like you. You know, what's your band sound like? We're fast, we're loud, we're catchy. And that's like the, the, the general, you know, when we were on Randy's show, he was like, super tight, super fast. Wow, I wasn't expecting that. And it was like, cool, then fucking come see the show. That's all we ask. Yeah. And by you're the gonna, way, we have these have other fun. two bands who we really love, and you should support them too. And that's how a scene starts. I feel like a lot of the stuff that goes on in the city about like the scene sucks. And first of all, it's all on social media. So it's basically noise. And it's like <clears throat> someone walking to their car. Let me put in this shitty opinion sure. and hit send and it's like you guys can't talk or think your way out of it that town hall that you referenced earlier dave wheeler said it best and i think i said this the last time i was on this podcast he's someone was saying maybe we should have like um kind of like a mixer where like artists can get together and discuss what they're doing and he was like it's called going to a fucking show yeah like it's that easy just go to a show if you like the bands you'll come back if you don't I'd say stick around, be a good trooper, and then yeah, leave. If you give a shit, yeah. go to shows that you're not playing. It, I know yeah, it could we, be hard, yeah. but it can happen. Yeah, I go, go to go as to, many as I can. Yeah. Yeah. I always have, yeah, I have fun going Just, to shows. Yeah. I, that's the other thing. I don't can't, If you can't manage to do that, yeah. then how, then... Yeah, why should someone come to your and show? And you can't yeah. be disappointed. That you people can't be aren't disappointed coming. that people aren't coming no. to your show. Yeah, because every now and then someone will be like, hey, you're coming to our show. And there have been one or two times where I'm like this close. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Go Pants for it. Wasted. <laughs> <laughs> no, there have been one or two times where I, I like, I, I, so I want to be like, you know, dude, I've never, I'm sorry, I've seen your, but this will be the eighth time I've seen your band. You've never come to one of our shows. And I love your band and I have all, almost all your stuff, but it's starting to get a little tiring. And you have X amount of followers and you're playing, you you have an album release party, it's at the Rex. We were lucky just to maybe half sell out uh, Spirit Lounge. Like So sometimes it's kind of like, you want me to share the love, then you got to come out and support us and support these other bands that we're playing with. And that's like the chip on the shoulder I have. That's like the only negative aspect. Yeah, I mean, it could be, it, it's, I think, you know, I also, uh, I think every, I don't know, uh, what's, empathy. Is what yeah, I'm, what I'm what I'm looking for here. I think it's important to be empathetic of other people's situations too, mm-hmm. and I think sometimes there isn't always enough empathy. People are just like, "This isn't working out for me, 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 me." Yeah. me, me, me. Like, all the me, all the music scenes I've always loved reading about, like the Athens Georgia scene in '78 or the Seattle scene in '80s going to '90s, they all were super supportive. And none of them really expected much except just to have a good scene and a good time because they were all in the assumption, like, this isn't going to fucking last. Like, we're all eventually going to have to go to our day job. So let's just 
play as much as we can and hopefully some of us will get out there and then it happened so like when you hear a friend of mine was like i want our scene to our city to be like athens georgia in that time i'm like it's never going to be that because you all those bands went out and saw each other and supported each other and that kind of happens in the city but within its own safe click it doesn't really you don't see a lot of cross-pollination with bands or or scenes you know you don't see like a metal band and then a hip-hop band get up and then like a folk artist on the same night. It happens every once in a while, but not as often as I think it should, you know? And, you know, we can do that by playing different shows and playing shows with different artists and we can help that. But a lot of the people that are doing the most complaining, they're not really looking for a way to solve it. And they're not really putting in the elbow grease into the scene as it were. They yeah. just expect that I put this thing out and I'm friends with so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so mentioned it on the radio. So there should be a hundred people there. Like that's not the way it works. Yeah. There's the, the, the scene growing up uh, in in my area was the you know, Mon Valley, Shawlery VFW was yeah, yeah. was uh, the place, and that was Josh Bakaitis, who yeah, I think he's uh, I don't know who he, where he's now. Oh, he's a friend of the show. Me and Josh are tight. He's yeah. been on, yeah, yeah. He's a great dude, but he created a really cool scene, and and um, he was young, and oh, you he know, was just fourteen when he started booking shows, yeah. Yeah, and really? that's, yeah, oh, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah, it was, and <laughs> they were so great. Cool. They were one. They were a good time, and and um, I don't know what his mentality was uh, of being able to get people to come out. I'd love to talk to him and ask him about that. But um, just to create where I'm going with that is just you know scenes create themselves. You know they just happen to happen, and you know it seems like a lot of people are complaining, including I found myself complaining just because. I wish more people would come out to our shows and, and whatnot, but you know, the scenes create themselves and you got to put the energy into it. And that's basically what we're saying here is, is that exactly. So. I think we've all been guilty of it. I mean, I was in other bands where we would be like, why isn't anyone coming? You know, we're playing at Oakland bar on like a Friday night, two people, but like up the street, there's someone playing But back when Oakland, when you could still play shows. Yeah. But it was like, Oh yeah, we didn't fucking tell anybody. We didn't want to, we wanted to be cool about it. We didn't go out and see anybody else's band. So it's like, that's why no one's here. Yeah. So you learn from those mistakes and you hopefully, you know, do what you can to make it a good show. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm in the same boat. I've gone through that as well. Uh, being all, you know, fuck the world, fuck the scene, but still playing shows and right. being fucking bitter. Yeah, and it then, doesn't work. Then, you Complaining know, doesn't work. Change my tune, figure it out, yeah. try some things, you know, be the, be the change you wish to see in the world type bullshit. Sure. And then things... There's a reason why they put that are, on a poster. Yeah. Things are a little a little, a little better. People yeah. come out to stuff. Sure. Sure, of I don't know. Just, just... This is uh, such a random segue, but it occurred to me you never did the intro. Oh, I do it. I do it post now. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that works. We were so, I was so used to seeing you do it live. Yeah. So... I mean, I could do it if you... No, it's okay. <laughs> All right. Could you do it? Ben, hold me while well, he does it. <laughs> hey, speaking of scenes real quick, because this is a shameless plug, <laughs> um, it just occurred to me that I meant to like, had I not showed up late and tried to find parking, I wanted to come in and hand you a copy of this. Okay. Uh, it's a local fanzine that's just started. My buddy, nice. My I buddy, love that shit. Yeah. It's, it's called Second Scene Magazine. The first interview is actually with Sterling Roswell of Spaceman 3. Oh, nice. And uh, there's a couple. The Benefits is uh, the one of the local bands that's featured. And there, there's a couple of really great articles in here. Um, I'll give you that. That's a, We have a couple copies. Cool. Thank you. That was started by Tim Thomas, who's the guitar player of Silver Thread. And Tim and his brothers have been in bands in the Pittsburgh area for, since the 80s. They played all the places that have 
you know, been hailed as great venues and since closed. And, um, and he and I had been talking for a while about this, like, idea of like the second scene that's in the city like a bunch of really good bands but they never get the quote-unquote radio love and all that so we decided like not only that there's like international artists who we love that we feel like god i wonder if we could reach out to these people and through social media and stuff we've been able he you know he got sterling from um space and three i did an interview with rick buckler the drummer of the jam and that article will be in the next issue which comes out in april but like there, right there, is a perfect example of a guy who's like, "Fuck it, I'm gonna start a, I'm gonna start a zine." We used to do zines all the time. And he's like, "I got Sterling Roswell from Space from Three. Who do you think you can get?" I'm like, "I don't know. I'll try." So like, yeah, I was like, <laughs> "I'm a huge Rick Buckler fan. Jam, the Jam was one of my favorite bands when I first started playing drums." So yeah, so I, you reached out to him. I, a friend of his, uh, Ian Snowball, who's a mate, and he got me uh, Rick's number high in. Um, uh, he and I are friends on Facebook, and he That's was cool. in this. Do- he's in this documentary about the Jam, and I, f- I just sent him a face mes- Facebook message and said, "You worked with Rick on his last book. Do you think he'd be interested?" So I literally called Rick at home and just like had this hour long conversation about the Jam and playing in that band and post stuff and the whole thing about him and Paul Weller haven't seen each other in eight since like 1983. And so that interview has really nothing to do with Pittsburgh, but in the next issue, we're going to focus on one or two local bands. And I know at some point we'll be in that, cool. in that cool. magazine and we're trying to like put a, fo- a spotlight and a focus on things that we feel might not be getting as much attention and are just as talented as, you know, all the bands that do get a lot of attention. So I feel like a lot of the people that I've been talking to over the past six months all have this thing in common that they're all really cool, which is tight. They're all doing a lot of different productive things and they all have like this really cool business savvy, but not like sleazy business, but sure. yeah. you know, business community sort of head on their shoulders and everybody seems to be working towards making this scene pretty cool in their own little ways, which is exciting to see. Yeah. yeah. And I people, think that people doing stuff is exciting. I think that for the most part, there's a lot of really cool, positive, productive stuff going on. And anybody that wants to be negative about whatever, they could keep being negative. But I think right. that there's going to be some really cool stuff coming, uh, coming around the mountain. Here. Yeah. 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 As long as I don't think it's gonna just happen like overnight. No. But I don't even know how everybody just keeps moving forward. I think we'll start seeing it more and more yeah, and more. Yeah, of course. As long as everybody just keeps, you know, one day at a time doing whatever they can, whenever they can. Going to shows, supporting each other. Right. You know. Trying not, not to, yeah, not complaining. Trying not to feed the monster too much on Facebook with like right. No one sees our band. Your band sucks. Well, I don't think anyone calls. I don't. No, I don't think I've don't ever think seen we any see of that. Too much of that. I, I've seen one or two of those comments, and they're just hilarious. And they're usually to people like uh, that can just. Yeah, I think Banks from Action Camp got one of those. Like <laughs> some guy was attacking Banks, and I just like I just sat back and like this is gonna be fun to watch. And Banks, is, <laughs> I mean, Banks is hilarious and five times funnier than any other guy. So he just he gently took the guy apart and was like, "Dude, I, you're talking about this and that. I've never heard of you, and none of us on this fucking chain have ever heard of you." And we were all like, "Yeah, dude, don't know who you are." He's like, oh, "I've been doing this forever." And Banks, you play covers because he was like, "Banks does a tribute fest. We do yeah. that once a year." He's like, and Banks like, "Dude, I have like all these albums out with this other band. Like, what are you talking about?" So. Yeah, those guys that are on those like negative rants, I just I don't know what they're. The internet's a weird place. It just is, yeah. It's a weird place. I don't know. It's a weird place that like uh, 
Well, you, things that you would never say to people if you were like sitting right in front of them, you would. People seem to think that it's cool to it's just some say that online. Super passive aggressive. It's like you're like that much more removed from the person. So yeah, it's just a not a healthy place to be. Not for so creativity. You shouldn't, go there. you shouldn't go there. It can be. I think that the important thing that a lot of people have forgotten is that you are actually in total control of who you're friends with on Facebook. Right. So it's just a matter of either <laughs> accepting that you've allowed some idiots into your life and yeah, you can sure. remove them. Right. Or you can mute them. The same. Yeah, the same as in real or life. Or you just deal right. with it. Or you could also remember that there is a, a sign out feature or a log right. out feature still on Facebook. You don't have to be connected right, all the right. time. Right. Is Facebook the only way? Yeah. Uh, and no. No. I don't think so. I thought a lot of people that left and are now just do Instagram or mm-hmm. something like that. If they want to have a social media thing. Which I'm like, I mean, I, I'm still on Facebook because of this band and because oh, yeah. I have a lot of family members. It's just terribly convenient to send a, a video of my son to so-and-so who lives across the country. And, yeah, it's, 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 it's fine. I feel that like if you can't, if the reason why you don't have a Facebook account is because you can't like emotionally handle it. I think you have like something yeah. bigger something, that you some, need to yeah. work on. Yeah, something else has gone wrong. Yeah, yeah. You need it. You, fine. There's probably something you should yeah, yeah. definitely is, address. Yeah. Avoid, avoiding fun. Facebook isn't going to help whatever that problem is go sure. away. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, back to the music. I don't have scene. a Facebook. Nice. I, I deleted it and have emotional issues that I have to work through, I guess. No. Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. No, I don't know. But I mean, it's it's different though. If it's just like I don't fucking want this, and then you just yeah. But the other way, the other way is just you know. I feel like we need to be more connected. You know, we need to talk to each other. Like you said, (laughs) you're you know your guitar player talked to another guitar player, and that was the first time that anybody ever talked to him. The fuck's that all about? I I, it's bizarre. Everything that's that's really weird. Everything that people. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was just gonna say. I on. I wasn't super surprised though when I heard that. Yeah, because I know not, that not like good. I know like some of the venues and the shows that they had been playing. Yeah, and when I heard that, I was like, "Oh yeah, that makes sense. That's well, part of a... the reason why we don't, we're not, we don't. Yeah, you don't play those. We right, don't right. play those places because yeah. gener- the generation really is using those to communicate so much too. They might not. They literally might not just be that good at talking to people. I can see how it's an easy out if you're an introverted person or maybe you know, kind of a chip on your shoulder and you're suspect of other people i'll just post stuff and just stand in my corner and wait to play i mean i, I that's what i assumed it was something like yeah you know that's I, whack again any of the negativity that's in our scene it's all on social media i don't hear any i don't you hear about these like other than that town hall meeting where a couple of people went awol uh I don't hear about like, yeah, did you hear so-and-so venue, like someone was playing and someone got up and just started yelling about how much the scene sucked? Like that doesn't happen. It only happens on social media and then people talk about it. It's like they're arguing with something that isn't really even there. And like, oh, so-and-so made this post that our scene in the city is like, it's not that good. I'm like, oh, I mean, I just saw Bob Mould last week and I'm going to see these bands this week. So I'm having a good time. That's all I can really do, you know. Right. A scene doesn't have to be competition. You know, it's not all about competition. It's yeah, about that's just, that's always a weird you know, thing. I, like, I think there's a, a weird vibe of I can competition understand. in the in in the area, and it doesn't have to be about competition. It's about just making music and having a good time. But you know, I think that there's there's definitely a vibe of competition in this area. So, you know, empathy. You said it before. You know, getting empathy back and just appreciating what people are doing. Or we should I just mean, have like one massive game of paintball, like or one that se- one Either scene empathy versus or another paintball. scene and. <laughs> The show that we did last night, 
or pizza. Uh, Where'd you play last night? Pizza. So originally, the show last night was supposed to be at the Marquee. Okay. Yeah. Oh, the Squirrel Hole place. Yeah. Gotcha. But then we had to move the show last minute because the Marquee is yeah, not opening through, on time now. Yeah. Is it not? Is it still opening? I would believe it is. I'm not okay. going to say that it's not. Yeah. I've sure. been in the space. Mm. I've seen like the build out. I'm yeah, assuming cool. they're still going to be. Oh, it's fucking awesome. Yeah, yeah that's awesome. Okay, um, cool. I'm assuming they're going to open. It's probably just something with I'm some paperwork the, or some, yeah, some shit. Sure. Who knows? I'm sure right it, down the street from there. I'd love to see it. It open. will open, I would imagine. But um, so the only space that we could get last minute was the Northside Elks. Oh, okay. Because sure. our drummer's a member. At the okay, house. perfect. So we, we did it there. But the, the concept of the show was uh we actually had a a video game tournament with street fighter with with the bands before the show to determine who awesome. headlined the show that's perfect so cool <laughs> perfect. that is so cool. and we had a bunch of like we had that set up on a projector and then we had a bunch of uh tv <laughs> set up right. with consoles so people that's could play perfect. games all night nice. while bands were playing that's amazing hey guys new idea for our scene <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> so that's that incredibly was... that's incredibly creative i love that well, that's thank wonderful. you and that yeah, was yeah. just like a really just like simple but fun way to just like how can we make this more than just bands playing in a room yeah. yeah, yeah, you know what I mean. Like, oh, let's yeah, you definitely did it. Have it's this goofy more than little that. thing. Our buddy um, Jeff, who sings in the band Bethlehem, he was uh, he like basically did like the commentary for like the <laughs> fight while the people were playing, <laughs> and it was funny too because like none of us were like a couple of the dudes in the bands actually like knew what they were doing, but for the most part, nobody really did. So yeah. it was just like him like. I don't know why people aren't using their special moves. <laughs> like, we street, don't know what we're doing. There's a Street Fighter ringer in there. Yeah. yeah. Because this game came out in 1994. <laughs> yeah. A lot earlier than that, man. Like, well, we, technically, we were doing Marvel versus Capcom 2 oh, on okay. Sega Dreamcast. All right. Which was like so we're talking like 97 or 98, then, maybe. Yeah, yeah, okay. I don't know yeah, yeah. the exact date. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that was a, a really fun time. Everybody that came out seemed to really enjoy themselves. And How it was a cool way to just be like... Sounds amazing. You can do more than just put bands on a stage yeah. but even that's fine too as long as you have like a good diverse lineup and yeah everybody that's playing is gonna tell their friends about it and be yeah. positive not just like oh well you know we're playing the show it's yeah, like yeah. whatever yeah that's so funny that's so awesome i love that idea that's really good should I mean, set up thanks. like a, a uh, like pool uh, uh like ping pong table at the next gig oh yeah ping pong would be tight billiards uh billiards would be long that would be it. That, that would be, yeah, that would Monopoly. Be, that would be Arju. Oh my God. Risk. Risk. I think everybody should play Risk. <laughs> Jenga. A giant sized Jenga. No, don't wake daddy. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> Fucking Pearl, dude, Pearl Jam did that at, uh, as a 2003 tour. They had a ping pong uh, tournament like before the encore. Really? Ben and I are Pearl Jam like deadheads, oh, basically. Yeah. Like, you know, we're those nerds that have all the. Uh, the bootlegs but yeah like 2003 tour like i think for just to spice it up it was like mccready versus um matt cameron at the end of like the one show and they were like playing ping pong and the audience was really getting into it and oh, that rules yeah and i forget who won but then yeah and then like that's they awesome. they we, like the roadies came out and grabbed it and wheeled it away and then they went into like the encore that's yeah. awesome so yeah that would be i could see that like showing up to a venue and being like who's going on first it's like well there's a there's a pinball machine right over there whoever gets the highest score gets to go first so yeah like karaoke between sets or some something I don't know <laughs> that would just be, something crazy yeah. that drunk people will do rock paper scissors that'd be like the <laughs> easiest you could do that at any fish venue. did like a chess game they did yeah 
Like an audience chess match. It went on for like that ten... sounds like something they would do. Yeah, because yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. uh, without without shame, I say I saw them in '95. Did you? Oh, nice. At the Spectrum in Philly, and that was the third year that that chess game had been going on between them and the audience. Have the been... New Year's Eve CDs that that they did. Yeah, '96. The audience chess match. We're such geeks. So anyway, back to Diver <laughs> Down by Van Halen being the best album ever. But <laughs> your Slipknot days Van. and oh, Slipknot. Jesse's new kid. Purity. And, yeah. <laughs> right. The song Purity. There's a really awesome yeah. picture of Ben back in the day with like, I like hair. spiky hair and a Slipknot and shirt. a big Slipknot. And he showed it to us and we're like, who is it? Baby face Ben. I'm like, who mm-hmm. is this kid? You know, <laughs> I've, I've Dude, System of a Down Slipknot. That that was a uh, good corn. Yeah, corn. Yeah. Dude, corn's going on Follow the leader. Chains. Follow the leader. Turned twenty years old this year. Yeah, I don't know if you guys appreciate that, but I appreciate. Yeah. It. I was. Do you appreciate. I, was, it? Uh, I think you appreciate yeah. that. Twenty. I was into Neil Young. Yeah, we got the issues doll hair. <laughs> I was into like Neil Young and REM in high school, so it was a different. Not me. Was like, I was into the Fugees, and then I, and then I became friends with metalheads. <laughs> it might Fugees and uh, hip hop, and then my uh. My dad was a metalhead. My parents were like 17 when they had me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah, so yeah, yeah. when I was like four years old, I was like, right? I was like rooting through my like dad's like tapes and it was all like, like Megadeth and Anthrax. Sure. He had a couple Cannibal Corpse tapes and shit like that. And my mom was all poison, white snake and shit nice. like that. Yeah. But since they were really young, um, I spent a lot of time at my grandmother's house and my uncle was like one of those dudes that never moved out of the house sure. and he was also a collector but he was all rolling stones animals beetles like yeah. you know more like yeah, garage yeah. rock and shit right, like right. that and then my grandma was all like billy holiday aretha franklin yeah all that shit wow. so, so he had it coming from all the, different directions and also cool. like being a child of the 90s it was just like music was all over the place anyways like on mtv it, it really was, was every yeah everything from like i mean that you had rem and then there was like Smashing Pumpkins. Right. And like Jewel. And Jewel. Like, yeah, and right. like it's just like and then all that other stuff. Russ and then and Root was in that. Yeah. And where are you from? Are you, are you, I'm from Pittsburgh. Yeah. I grew up in Wilkinsburg. Nice. Um, and then that was the other thing too, like going to like school in the city, there was just kids from yeah. all over the fucking yeah. place. So it was always like this weird hodgepodge of music. But uh, metal was always the thing that uh pulled me in the most. I saw my friend of mine the other day about like how when my brother and I shared a bedroom. Well, I was seven, and my sister came along, and like he had like Van Halen and Huey Lewis in the news, and like whatever posters were up in the '84. This was, but I remember like in the late '80s he started getting into metal, and like I came home one day and there were like the three Iron Maiden posters and like Anthrax. Hell and, yeah! And just like I remember listening to Number of the Beasts, and it was like it was scary. But I really, it's such, such an awesome song. And even then, I, I remember I was like nine and I saw my mom like, they don't mean it. They're not really into Satan. It's just a good song. And, you know, <laughs> and so like, but yeah, my brother was a metalhead. And then like he got into more like Zeppelin and classic rock and he was into Dead and Fish. And now he's like, I, I, like, I know he's a huge Willie Nelson fan. And like, he, he he's like all over the place. But like, I used to just kind of listen to, he'd have records and he'd go out and hang out with his friends. And I'd like grab his records and be like, what's Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young? Put that on. And then like, 
first time I heard Guns N' Roses, the same thing. Like he you had, had the, you had the stereotypical older brother experience. I did really like, yeah, and he would, and it was very careful to put the record back where I found it. Yeah, he's like super protective because like he had a radio, and then I had a radio, and then he got a boombox, and then I got my like ghetto blaster, and then he had a stereo with a record player, and it got it started getting serious, like you know, and he'd be playing his music, and I'd be playing my music, and yeah, it was always fun to like have an influence because my parents. I, they were like my dad was a Jim Croce fan, I think, and my mom was like into John Denver, and so <laughs> I wasn't really getting my like my fix from my folks though. Yeah. So I didn't have like hair metal and, and metal head like parents. They were like, well, you know. I, it was so funny because I think that there was a time frame, like, because like I since I grew up with all of this stuff, by the time I was like, you know, ten years old, I was like, you know, like I'm tired of listening to Iron Maiden. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like, I, I have a picture of me at my 10th birthday party. Uh, <laughs> my mom has her arm around me and I'm wearing a white zombie t-shirt. Oh, it's, it's so, so sick. I started laughing <laughs> even before you said it because I'm like, this is going to be an amazing uh, picture. Um, but I remember like, then like, you know, like Green Day Dookie came out oh, yeah. and all yeah. that stuff and just being like, this is the shit. And yeah. then like, I was like 14 or 15 and I'd gotten into making beats and um, my uh, uncle gave me back all these like gave me all these records that were just laying around from when I was a kid. It sure. was all like Iron Maiden records. And yeah, stuff. Yeah. That's what I liked. I yeah. remember putting on Iron Maiden somewhere in time and being like, oh yeah, yeah. Like, I fucking loved Iron Maiden. And that yeah. like sparked the metal thing again. Sure. How did you make beats back then? Like what was your, your style? Um, so my first job I ever got was at Taco Bell and I saved up my first three paychecks to buy this. I remember you said the Sad Girls Aquatics episode. Yeah, I remember yeah, you telling them that. Yeah, 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 that, yeah, was your, yeah. yeah. That, that, that was it. And that's, um, that has like an audio in and you can like sample into it and like, <laughs> oh, oh, that sequence cool. beats and stuff like that. But there's also like pre-made drum things on it sure. too. But before I had that, there was a, um, a basically like a Fruity Loops type program yeah. that, uh, was that Codemasters made for the Sony PlayStation oh, MTV wow. oh, Music cool. Generator? Yeah, yeah, but that's uh, cool. it's essentially just Fruity Loops, but on a Sony PlayStation. So that was like where everything got started. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then I was like, well, how do you do this like for real? Yeah. And then like you know like going to the mall all the time. Yeah. And yeah. There was the Guitar Center behind Monroeville Mall. And they sure. Had that they had that there. I remember going in and playing yeah. with it and. I understood how like the step sequencing worked just from using the PlayStation. I was like, that's sure. how you do it. But then then I got that and it's like, okay, well, fuck, how do I record this stuff? Right, right. Gotta get a computer. Yeah. And that was the interesting thing about like learning how to make electronic music in the time that I did, because it was before like Ableton and all this stuff right, was readily right, available. Right. So in order for me to actually like structure songs, I had to like simultaneously learn how to record music. Yeah. And when yeah. was this? In a DAW. About? Um, by the time I got the computer, I was probably 18. So, yeah, I was, like, just graduating high school by the time I had the computer. I had, like, all this stuff for, like, a couple years. Like, that and, like, a, a keyboard and stuff. Mm. But I didn't – I wasn't able to record it. I ended yeah, up I, trading – I ended up trading a camcorder for a, uh, a computer tower. There you go. I electronic <laughs> music like putting that all together is always super interesting, but it doesn't make any like I can't wrap my head around it. It's uh, seems hard. Seems very hard to like not get lost in it. Well, I mean, at first it was just like, I mean, you know, I would make the beats and like you have each each thing in that would be um, you have eight sounds that you can use mm -hmm. and you can 
make like a you have 16 measures for like your little loop yeah yeah so okay and then say okay well there's one part of a thing right so the next part okay well i go to the next patch and i just pick all the same sounds and make the next part that's cool and then you can actually within those you can like assemble you can like sequence your patches together to have it be in a song mode or what i was doing was i would just like make the the patch and then i would record it like to the computer yeah and then i'd have to record the next one and then line them up oh you know what i mean like yeah yeah yeah. just line them up like on the on the on the bpm grid Right, right, right. And then, you know, down the line, you're trying to figure out things like, oh, man, like that kick drum needs to be louder, this and that. Sure. And then it gets to a point where instead of just pushing play, it's like I'm soloing each instrument, yeah, yeah. recording it, and then lining up each instrument right. inside of the yeah, program yeah. Right. so I can actually mix well, editing, everything. Editing in, 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 in a DAWs, I mean, that makes it so much easier. Yeah. Yeah. But that was like, me starting out sure. doing that because it seemed like that was the only way I could do it. When, and when was this? This was like what? Like what year are you talking about? This that by the time I was by the time I was recording in a doll, I was like eighteen. Okay, so it was like right when I graduated high school, like my senior year of high school. What year? Like not that would have been two thousand three. Yeah, I think yeah. it's cool. Jesse does all the recording for our stuff, and <clears throat> watching you do all that, yeah. like add, like, yeah, it's fun. You could spend months on one song just yeah. playing with the song I think and, we have and being able to <laughs> like, dissect yeah. it mm-hmm. and, and and really you know go into it and it's I funny think it's like, really crazy how how in-depth and, and right. how much time you could spend and it's in my opinion and I think all but all three of us is like you know you could do too much well know? yeah oh, I mean yeah. doing doing stuff on your doing stuff in your own space uh by yourself is like a blessing and a curse because you could theoretically never be done. Like if you didn't, half of the battle is knowing when you're finished. Yeah, I the actually the, more than half the battle is knowing when you're finished. The the Sykes and the New Violence album that we put out in November, there's technically three versions of that album recorded. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Sure. But yeah. it was a thing where like there was a lot of like there was some like <clears throat> member changes and life yeah. situations and yeah, things that yeah. happened on each version mm-hmm. of it and it was just like okay well this isn't it this isn't it this isn't it. okay well this is it yeah yeah um but that was we would right. have never been able to do that if we didn't record it here right no yeah you wouldn't so, yeah it would have been possible and I'm, i don't and if if the if the songs were ready to go when they were first done then it would have got released but it just wasn't ready right yeah, I like to um I like to not spend that much time actually recording the music. Like um cuz you guys just do like what a handful of takes of each of each song. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right, like, a couple three, times, yeah, three, we'll... four takes of a song. And the same thing with guitar, like I'll do three or four takes of the of the guitar takes and just do it. But I like I like the editing part, I like the arrangement and I I really like mixing it too. I th- like finding the best sound for that combination mm-hmm. of things that we put together. I think it's fun. I think that it's really, I love mixing stuff. Um, it's a lot of time, but I like just, I'm, I guess I'm a control freak yeah. in some ways. And, so all the de- I, and all the details are fun to like dive into too. That's just Grey Wa- to me. Grey Walker's recording. We just tracked uh, a cover song with our friend Sid Riggs who has a studio over in Stanton Heights. Mm-hmm. And I was just over there earlier today, like doing mixing stuff with yeah. him. Cause like he sent us back uh, 
a mix that he had done mm -hmm. and then I sent him a list of notes and I yeah. just kind of sent him a text. I was like, I emailed you a list of notes, but it would be really cool if I could just come over and like mix sure. the stuff with you just yeah. so yeah, yeah. we could communicate it. And we, right. we banged it all out in like an hour and a half. Yeah. Whereas that could have been maybe like a two or oh, easy. three week right. thing if it's like just emailing yeah. back and forth. Yeah. Sometimes notes can be hard too because you may not be able to communicate what you're actually trying to say. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, this last <clears throat> album, I think I actually sent one or, one or two times. I sent you a voice message. Yeah. Because I'm yeah. like, I could text this, but it's gonna. I'm not as smart <laughs> as you with this. It's just gonna come out like so. This part of the lyric that needs to be. I forget what it yeah. was, but it was just like it was so much easier. Or like a lot of times after we're done rehearsal, he'll say, "Come on in and listen to this," and we'll sit there and listen to our parts and say, "That's great. That's great. Maybe make that a little whatever or whatever it is." And it's like, you know, oh, I hadn't thought about that. Okay. Uh, yeah, because I click, feel click, like click, some once in a while you'll send us this, and I'm like, it sounds good, dude. I don't know what else you could do to it because you've he's been up with it all night long, and and he you know recorded, mixed, mastered it, and so we just like, yeah, this is great. Maybe make Ben's bass a little louder, and then that one tweak, it's like done, awesome. Next track. So, yeah. And yeah. We're done. Yeah, we've tried to once or twice. We've like had offers from friends of ours who have like little studios. Yeah, but I've said to them like, you know, you and I are both Jesse and I are both dads, and Ben lives forty five minutes south of us, so it's like it's way easier for us to just all record it all on our own. Yeah, yeah. And, we and you know, Ben and I have done work in a studio, mm -hmm. and that that is fun. Like I, I really enjoy that, and I'd like to do that again too. Um, and there's something to like being on like a time crunch where you just yeah. have to just get it done. We did. The last, I'll probably record Sykes albums myself until the end of time. Sure. Yeah. The last Grey Walker album, we did that all ourselves. Mm -hmm. And that was tight, but I don't think I ever want to do that again. Yeah. Was um, it a bigger project? It was, it was like a huge project. Yeah. yeah. And it was just, I mean, it was 11 tracks. Oh, wow. It was a fucking 11 track death metal album sure there's just gotcha. so much going on yeah, a lot of stuff yeah. and i'm as yeah, we recorded it all animal. ourselves i mixed it we sent it out to get mastered but uh yeah i mean i had a lot of fun doing it but i think yeah you get you get too attached and too removed from the performance mm -hmm. and with something that's so fucking like technical and like meticulous yeah. i kind of want to just be like let's just go in and focus on what we need to do right and let somebody else worry about engineering and right recording yeah. and things like well that. there's there's definitely a reason why those different positions exist yeah. so yeah but i um with that being said i think that i always i think every band should at least have the ability to be able to track themselves whether it's to record full albums or even yeah. just tracking demos and shit like yeah. that. Yeah, we learn a lot too, and the song becomes different too when you're when you're doing it like that too. And um, I think that even if you find yourselves in a studio situation down the road, it's yeah. nice to have that experience so you know how yeah. to communicate with <clears throat> right. Yeah, a so mixer really and things like that. Yes. Like, yeah. Absolutely. And that, like that's that that's huge. I think when we when we went into the studio the first time, I didn't know anything. I don't think either of us knew anything. And I think that's like where, I mean, I don't know what the end result of your experience was, but I know in some situations, certain bands that I've talked to that don't have like the most enlightening, we'll say, mm -hmm. studio experiences or like things turn out kind of wonky. Mm -hmm. It's because, you know, the engineer, the producer that's recording it doesn't know what your band is supposed to sound like and you right. don't know how, how to, to tell say them it. what you right. want to sound like. So you right. get this weird kind of like, neutered oh, yeah, yeah. version right. of what you're... which i think is what it sounded like yeah what it ended up sounding like yeah, yeah. and uh 
but if you have the knowledge to be able to say like, no, like we want a little bit more here or, you know, mm-hmm. like I don't think that snare needs all that reverb, right. whatever yeah. thing it is. There is no need to put that much compression on the bass drum. Sure. It's not necessary. Sure. sure. <laughs> yeah. For us, it's necessary. Right, right, right. You know, yeah, 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 exactly. Right. Yeah. In a death metal situation, yeah. you need to have that bass drum super compressed. First sure. Time, first time I was in the studio, I think we booked like, because our band, the band I was in at the time, we'd write songs so fast. Like if we didn't have it in twenty minutes, we'd shit can it because like it's probably a bad song. And I think we, were, you know, we'd rehearse real fast, and we felt pretty cocky. So we like, I think we booked like and maybe two hours to record an EP, That's and we were it. like, yeah, okay, it'll take like thirty minutes to set up. And I mean, two of the songs are a minute like forty. We'll be out of there in no time. And it was like our our guitar player broke a string on the first take and then he broke a string on the second take and then our bass player broke a string and then I, I it was like it was all these crazy like no he like set it down and it yeah. fell over yeah, and, yeah. Like, and then like I was in the middle of a really good take and just like I went like that and the top of my stick came off and I'm like this is bullshit and it was like an hour and a half into our two hours and we had two songs done but the guy luckily was a friend of the guitar players and at one point he's like I don't have any bands after you guys so he just like rolled a joint and was like just keep going <laughs> just, <laughs> just keep going we were like super we were like super stressed out and yeah it sounded really fucking thin and it just was like cuz we didn't he had never seen us live and we didn't say like no we sound like a, a wall of noise coming at you and it was super clean and I was like Ugh, let's never use this so yeah it, it, you do learn a lot of lessons your first time in a studio I and think that it's pretty funny how like I don't even I'm like I can barely play the drums what the hell oh like, fuck yeah <laughs> it's terrible you always, you always need like three times the amount of time that you think you're gonna need yeah Jesus yeah uh, with recording I always compare it to tattoos Okay. In the sense of like, if you um, want to get a, a particular tattoo, yeah. you don't just go to any artist. There no. are artists that specialize in different styles of tattooing, yeah, right? Sure. Like, right. If you or if you want pad thai, you don't go to the fucking Olive Garden, right? You should. You go to a fucking Thai restaurant. Yeah. Even you though shouldn't do that. It's all noodles on plate with sauce, right. but it's not quite the same. For Italian food. No, really, f- right? I'm an Olive Garden <laughs> apologist. I fuck with the Olive Garden. Okay. <laughs> Olive Garden is not that it bad. Got, you it, might feel <laughs> gross after you leave, but it's worth it. <laughs> anyway. I think that a lot of times people are just like, oh, this person records music. So, and we, we have music that yeah, needs right. recorded. So, this is going to work yeah, out. But that's, easy. Yeah, that's no, yeah, I would always, always think always that work. you need to look into the portfolio. Mm-hmm. And uh, even if you have a friend that's maybe willing to record your band on the cheap, right? sometimes yeah. it's worth it in the time that you're going to potentially throw in the, the garbage can to just right, right, right. pony up a little bit of money or whatever and work with somebody that's actually experienced in the style right. of music you're trying to put out there in the world. I think Jesse did. I mean, he does all of our recordings and masterings and I thought the last album we put out sounded really good. Oh, really but good. then like he, he I remember there was, I was on my route listening to uh, as a mailman he would like email me stuff and i'd put it on my ipod and take it with me on my route and i remember i was like delivering mail and laughing out loud i'm like fuck we sound great (laughs) you did a really really good job like my snare drum and uh, everything it's just like it's like god that's exactly i didn't even have to like that's exactly what i wanted i don't even think we got to the part where we got to notes yet and i'm like fuck we're doing we're a really good band jesse's really done a good job on this last album and so yeah i was i was like almost shocked i was like dude this is 
I'm really like I was, you know, you get a little nervous, self conscious. Yeah, oh, I don't want this new album out. Yeah, come see our show. But I'm like, fuck, dude, come see our show. It's we're great. <laughs> this Hell album yeah. is awesome. So and yeah, like when I went out, I went to Bob Mole and a couple yeah. of people. We had just put out um the last single came out on the 14th of February. The first single we're putting two singles out before the album, and a couple of people are like, dude, fucking great single. And I'm like. Oh, right. Yeah. We put out a single. And I was like, yeah, isn't it good? I was even shocked. And I think we're a great band. And I was like, wow, we that's a great sounding song. So, yeah. So, yeah, we were putting out um, the last song was called um, the single was called Injury is Likely, which came out on the 14th of February. And then the next single, which is called Simply Hey Man, that comes out on St. Patrick's Day. Cool. So, well, that will be out by the time this goes up. This will be cool. live on the 18th. So that's oh, the Monday after St. Patty's Day. Okay, cool. Cool. So if you're listening to this and watching this, we hope you liked it. Yeah. So anyway. Give that a give that a listen. Check yeah. them out. And you have your album release show. April 26th. April 26th. Mm-hmm. Fun House at Mr. Smalls with Lo-Fi Delphi and the, and the Beagle, Beagle Brothers. Brothers. That's right. And that'll yeah. be a fun night. That'll yeah, be it's a Friday fun. night. It's at the Fun House. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's going to be fun. It's going to be a fun <laughs> night at a Fun House. With a fun band, April twenty sixth, Friday what night. Fun, it's gonna be good. And the other bands are great now. They're they're just super cool. Like I said, we've played a couple shows with Flo Fidelfi, and I've seen the Beagle Brothers a few times. And uh, yeah, so it's gonna be a good night. And they're you know, going back briefly to what we were saying before, all the bands in the city should just start doing that. Start having shows that are just really eclectically packed and a weird mix of stuff. You know, it's everybody that I've talked to recently all says the same thing. Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be cool. really let's Good. see how weird we yeah, can yeah. get this summer. Good. You know. And they're all yeah, different kinds of bands yeah, too. Let's, let's get weird. The summer. Let's get weird, Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh, weird. let's get weird. Uh, I'm not I'm not I'm not saying that I'm doing this, but maybe I'm doing this. Whatever this is is what, subjective, but maybe it has something to do with what we were talking <laughs> about. It. Maybe it doesn't. I'm, I'm just not, saying oh. that I'm not saying that I'm doing it. Whatever Things, you're doing, do yeah. it. Yeah. Do it. Mysterious. Something is definitely happening. Are you, are you high right now? No. <laughs> I've never been let's high all, in my life. Let's all take off our shirts and just get weird here on the podcast. Let's all start getting weird, Pittsburgh. Let's all just, you know. Yeah. Let's take like, off that shirt. Start the heat, one baby. And do now, it. we joked about like, you know, like, I forget, because we're geeks and we're thinking about like the podcast, Jesse will do all the, t- or like, because Ben wasn't on the last one, like Ben will do all the talking. I will just slowly disrobe and then Jesse at some point will just like lay down and take a nap or something. I don't know. We're always trying to like think of like silly weird, things to do. And then we never do. obviously instead do we that. just have like a normal focused conversation. Right. No. Yeah. Sorry, right. it's much more entertaining. <laughs> we wish right. we wish we were much more entertaining. Like how? Because it's like weird. Like oh, we're gonna be talking about ourselves. How can we make it interesting? We're like fuck. Ben will do all the talking. I'll just slowly like unbutton every few up. minutes and eventually just be like, just be sitting here with no shirt on and Jesse will just lay down take a nap. There it is. There's Jesse will whisper things to yes. me. Oh way. yeah, that was the other one. Jesse's like, you'll ask Ben a question. And he'll be like. Yeah, I thought uh, that that mic compression sounded good too. And just <laughs> I love Slipknot. <laughs> so Corey Taylor is God. I you kind of look like Corey Taylor. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. Is it bad that I don't know it's who only, that is? is he, he's the lead yeah. singer. You actually kind of look okay. like Corey Taylor. Corey you Taylor. Have you ever seen a picture of Corey oh, yeah. Taylor? Oh yeah, they all wear he's masks, very, though, right? He's hysterical. Hold on, he's a talented I'm pull dude. Pull up a picture of Corey Taylor. They all wear masks in Slipknot, right? Am I thinking? Yeah, yeah, right yeah. yeah, yeah they do. They don't wear masks all the time. I do remember reading a really interesting article the first time they played Madison Square Garden, and they were like, it was a Rolling Stone interview, and they were super fucking nervous. And yeah. I think Corey Taylor, like the guy from Rolling Stone, was 
surprised at how relaxed and nerdy they were because he said like he walked into the lead singer's dressing room and the music was blasting and he was doing like getting himself ready and he was singing along to what is it i just said hey, in your arms doesn't he kind of look like cory taylor yeah, a just bit. a little bit a little bit let me see I mean, it's not the best face facial picture, but like this, like a similar yeah, jawline. This dude was like singing like some '80s pop tune, like, and like, like a similar jawline. A cool dude. Oh wait, hang on. Oh, I'm, we're messing it up. You look like you could be Corey Taylor's brother. Oh, that's an awesome T-shirt he's wearing, by the way. Too, you see that? It's like Bruce Bruce Lee DJing or something. <laughs> he's got my vote. Oh. Yeah. Anyways. Oh, my God. Do uh, we have anything else to talk about? <laughs> what are we now, now that we're comparing you to Corey Taylor, <laughs> I think maybe we can wrap. Uh, this has been tight. Um, we talked about the, the album yeah. coming out, the release show, mm-hmm. the band, Pittsburgh, Slipknot. What's your favorite food? Buffalo chicken. Kevin, favorite food? Hawaiian pizza. Mm. Bur- burritos. Burritos? burritos. Hell yeah, I Just suck with that. Yeah, yeah. Mine's Thai food. Mostly because I had burrito last night. It was really good. The cool thing about this is if like it's the end of the world mm-hmm. and we all there, we all get to pick like one thing to eat. Mm-hmm. We don't have to fight for anything. We're all on our oh. own pitch. Well, that works out really nice. Can you imagine nice. if we're all like Hawaiian pizza from Rialto's and be like, fuck. The knives, <laughs> the, the, the knives come out and we're all like. <sighs> well, the good thing about pizza is at least it's easily shareable. Yeah, and uh, dude, Rialto's pizza, it tastes great the next day on my route. I'll be eating that right before I go on my route. I it's... thought you meant like on, on the way up. On the way up? No. <laughs> was this, what was this gesture? It wasn't it, This gesture wasn't like a... I wasn't gesticulating like in like right. a flux like problem or, you know. So anyway. Well, cool. Yo, thank you guys for coming thank over. You. Awesome seeing you again, Jesse, yeah, yeah. Kevin. Good nice to, meet to meet you, Ben. Yeah, absolutely. Any any Slipknot fans, a, a friend of mine. Definitely. But also, if you don't like Slipknot, that's totally fine, too. Yeah. yeah. I wasn't about to pander. Oh, yeah. I wasn't going to pose. I'm... <laughs> I'll burn you a CD. <laughs> <laughs> no, dub him a cassette tape. <laughs> I like Slipknot when Joey Jordan was still in the band. <laughs> <laughs> See, you know more than you think you know. <laughs> that, was, that was a reference to my Van Halen thing earlier. Yeah. Like, oh yeah, you, you you like Slipknot after you didn't like them after he left, or you when you were twelve? Yeah, okay, tight. Yo, well, thank you guys for coming over, and thank we are much. done. Thanks, man. Thanks. And that is all, folks. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed the conversation. Quick shout-outs again to Ben, Kevin, and Jesse from Los Vampiros Amarillos for being here having a talk uh and being okay people to be around i don't know i don't even know why i record these outros i don't know what i'm supposed to say but what i will say is that they are nice people i'm glad they were here and i hope you enjoyed the conversation those are things that i already said i yeah i've had a long day i'll be back again next week with another episode same time Same place, same channel. You know the drill. My name is Sykes. Start the beat. 2019. Woo! Woo! Thanks for listening.